So I feel like I've noticed something. People love. They just love, 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 love to be the critic. They also really are quick to champion a perceived winner and get behind it as fast as possible. Just like folks did with Kaepernick and that whole Nike campaign. Uh, they'll damn it or they'll jump on board as quickly as possible. Also, what's interesting though, is they can be pretty quick to damn all parts of someone so i noticed that with john mccain like i saw some of my activist friends and they're like he was terrible and he did a lot of stuff and he, he made a lot of human beings suffer which is true but he wasn't all bad either necessarily too so i'm wondering where you are with your sense of certainty i wonder how absolute you think you are in your correctness Today's podcast is going to be a double trouble take on the idea of dualism and the idea of absolutism with a bit of a critique of our own inclusive activist tendencies. Today we're going to look at what is this notion of dualism. We will try to look at and understand this rise of absolutism and then look at the dangers of this dogmatic way of thinking. And lastly, we will talk about our need to pick sides and have a take on everything. And what does it mean to our own pragmatic understanding of full ideas, concepts, and issues? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited to be able to just give you another one take idea topic. And so we are going to jump right into what you came here for and talk about absolutism and the rise of certainty. So the first thing is we need to understand this idea of dualism. Dualism is the moral or spiritual belief that two fundamental concepts exist and that these concepts often oppose one another. It is an umbrella term that covers a diversity of views from religions, including both religions and spiritual as well as scriptural religions. Moral dualism is the belief of the great complement or the conflict between the benevolent and the malevolent. It simply implies there are two moral opposites at work, independent of any interpretation of what might be moral and independent of how these ideas might be represented. Moral opposites might, for example, exist in a worldview which has one God, more than one God, or no gods. By contrast, dual theism, bi-theism, or di-theism implies at least two gods. While bi-theism implies harmony, di-theism implies the idea of rivalry or opposition, or notions such as good as good or evil, or light or dark, or summer or winter. For example, a di-theistic system could be one in which there is one God creator and another God which is destroyer. In theology, dualism can refer to the relationship between God and creation or God and the universe. This form of dualism is shared in certain different traditions related to Christianity or Hinduism. Alternatively, there's an idea called ontological dualism. Dude, I'm so pumped that I hit ontological perfectly first time first take uh i'm proud of myself i'm feeling myself today 
The world is divided into two overarching categories. The opposition and combination of these universes, two basic principles of yin and yang, is a larger part of Chinese philosophy and is an important feature in Taoism and is also con discussed in Confucianism. Many myths and creation motifs with dual mystic cosmologies have been described in ethnographic or anthropological literature, which if y'all are educated with these things, you know ethnographic and anthropolog anthropological literature can get a little hinky sometimes and problematic, especially to the people that it's defining as civilized and or not civilized. These motifs create the structure that the world is being created, organized, or influenced by some type of like demagogue, cultural hero, mythological being, um, hero, villain, who are either competing with each other or have some type of complementary function in creating, arranging, or influencing the world. There's a huge diversity of such notions of cosmology and some and in some cases such as among i can't i can't pronounce that word so i'm not gonna try to do it well okay maybe i will the chukchi chukchi i'm not sure it's a it's a group of people so what they do is they believe that beings collaborate rather than compete and contribute in creation in some type of co-equal way in many of these instances, these two beings are not the same in importance or power. Now, sometimes these things can be contrasted in ideas of good or evil or moral or just or just or unjust. Uh, a lot of times things are seen as like twins or brothers. Uh, dualistic motifs and mythologies can be observed and inhabited in all different inhabited continents. It concludes that this idea can be explained by diffusion or borrowing uh, rather than a convergence of origins and that they are related in a dualistic organization in societies. In some cultures, this social organization may have ceased to exist, but mythology per preserves them in memory in more and more disguised ways. So again, dualism. Why am I talking about dualism? Because things are super hard, us and them, lately. People are like, yay, Nike's awesome. They are backed Kaepernick. Now I'm super pumped Kaepernick got a paycheck because it's been a minute since he's had a paycheck. I'm sure he gets paid like other ways, but uh, you know, unless he manages money incredibly well, Colin Kaepernick has not got a good paycheck in a long time. So is it okay to be happy about Colin Kaepernick's paycheck? Yes. Is there any problem I can see with Colin Kaepernick's paycheck? Eh, you know, the source is kind of rough. Uh, but at the same point in time, I think it's okay to be happy to see an activist hero who's standing up for something and trying to do the right thing get the props that he deserves. But we got to notice where that stuff's coming from, right? He's, he's getting that stuff from Nike. Nike is the same folks that have children working in sweatshops over and over again. They're exploiting folks, uh, having them pay hundreds of dollars for all these different shoes. They create like a sense of scarcity with these shoes and kids are fighting over the shoes. They're a, they're a status symbol which promotes this whole capitalism scarcity notion which is problematic. And let's not forget, Nike is the official supplier of equipment to the NFL. So if you're really happy about Colin Kaepernick because Nike backed him or you're really happy about Nike, remember, Nike's back in the NFL. And guess what? The NFL 
most NFL fans are about 70-something percent Republican, 70-something uh, percent capitalists. So remember, stuff's problematic and it's difficult. Now, likewise, I saw a lot of people do one of two things when John McCain died. I saw them either get it, you know, like, oh, he's a great American hero. He's a wonderful guy. He's done so much good stuff. Like, let's not speak ill of the dead and only remember the good. That's problematic, too, right? John McCain caused a lot of people a lot of grief because of his border issues, his insistence on ICE. Uh, you know, sometimes he stood strong for things that were great. Sometimes he rolled over on things that were great. Uh, it's not like you can give him a track record for, like, always being able to speak to his conscience or to this sense of moral good. Now, conversely, I saw the same thing with John McCain in the activist community where people just booed him all the time. Uh, didn't seem to recognize the fact that he stood up against waterboarding. Didn't seem to notice the fact that uh, every now and again he did vote his conscience. Uh, they kind of just whitewashed away the good parts of the things that he did too. And that's problematic. And that idea moves us into this notion of absolutism. And so we're going to get into absolutism, absolutism right now. But first, I'm going to have some chips. I'm having some chips and drinks while I'm doing this, but I'm not crunching and smacking in your ear, okay? So chip time, and then I'm back to you. All right, I'm all chipped up. I'm ready to go. Second topic, what is absolutism? There's lots of forms of absolutism. I'm going to talk about kind of like two, but we're going to start with moral absolutism. Moral absolutism is the ethical view that particular actions are intrinsically right or intrinsically wrong. Stealing, for instance, must always be considered immoral, even if done for the well-being of others. Uh, stealing food to feed yourself or to feed a starving family, right? <clears throat> always bad no matter what's going on. And even if it does, in the end, promote such a good, it's still problematic or immoral. Moral absolutism stands in contrast to the other categories of normative ethical theories, such as consequentialism, which looks, which holds that the morality, in a wide sense of the act, depends on the context, consequences and concepts, or the context of the act specifically. Now, moral absolutism is not the same as moral universalism. Universalism merely holds the idea that it is right or wrong that right or wrong is independent of custom or opinion, as opposed to moral relativism. But not necessarily what is right or wrong is independent of context or consequences, as is in absolutism. Moral universalism is compatible with moral absolutism, but also has positions such as consequentialisms built into it. There was this old dude named Louis Podgeman, 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 who gives us the following definitions to distinguish the two positions of moral absolutism and universalism. So this is what Louis says: Moral absolutism. There is at least one principle that ought to never be violated. Moral objectivism. There is a fact of the matter as to whether any given action is morally permissible or impermissible. A fact of the matter that does not depend solely on social custom or individual acceptance. Now, 
ethical theories, which place strong emphasis on rights and duty, such as ethics of a moral uh, Immanuel Kant, are often forms of moral absolutism, as there are many different religious moral codes. Moral absolutism may be understood strictly as a secular context, as in many forms of deontological moral rationalism. Boom! Are you kidding me? Deontological moral rationalism and no stutters? You gotta be messing with me today. However, many religions have morally absolutionist positions as well regarding their system of morality as deriving from divine divine commands. Oh, that's always the good one, right? God told me to, so God said I can do it like this. There's a lot of that stuff in the world, especially by a lot of Christian people who seem to be totally cool with people dying or killing folks, even though thou shalt not kill is supposed to be on the top 10 list. Very interesting stuff. Back to moral absolutism. Therefore, they may regard such a moral system as absolute, usually perfect, and unchangeable. Many secular philosophies also take a morally absolutist stance, arguing that absolute laws of morality are inherent in the nature of human beings, the nature of life in general, or in the universe itself. For example, Someone who believes absolutely in nonviolence considers it wrong to use violence even as self-defense. I tend to like that thing, but I'm not there yet. So Thomas Aquinas, Catholic philosopher, never explicitly addresses something known as the Yipithyro Dilemma, but draws a distinction between what is good or evil in itself and what is good or evil because of God's commands, with unchangeable moral standards forming the bulk of the idea of natural law. Thus, Aquinas contends that not even God can change the Ten Commandments, adding that God can change what individuals deserve on particular basis, and also says what it might look like in special dispensations in certain situations where people could murder or steal. So again, we're kind of seeing absolutism, right? Like is it for sure, yes or no? Is there at times um, some gray area? Can God kind of like make his mind up in certain ways? How do, we, how do we call balls and strikes in the real world? So moving on, right? Talking more about absolutism. There's this idea of political absolutism. It is a term used to apply to a great many systems in which one person or one organ of state authority has unquestioned power over all or most organs. Absolute monarchy is the most common form of absolutism with official power being vested entirely in the crown of the monarch. Historically, the term was used to apply to European monarchies where no one and nothing, including the church, was superior to the monarchy. So, moving into absolutism, where do I worry about absolutism in activism? What I worry about in absolutism and activism is this certainty that you can say something and know that it's true and challenge anybody in that they're wrong if they don't hold similar views. In some ways, I think the echo chamber of activism becomes very, very problematic, and I worry about that a little bit because I don't see where there's an allowance for a wholeness or a realness of all things. 
nothing is completely good and nothing is completely bad. Nothing is all bad and nothing is all good. There's a lot of good and bad in, in everything. There was good and bad in John McCain. There's good and bad in Kaepernick in the NFL. There's good and bad in the NFL. There's good and bad in Nike. There's good and bad in a lot of things. This good and bad notion needs to be understood and embraced in a holistic way and understood what you're looking for, right? Because there's different ideas and concepts that you'd like to push. Uh, and there's going to be um, a shifting of two different levers to try to find the middle ground in something. So lastly, why do I think this is a problem and why is that? Why am I concerned? So there's an idea called graded absolutism that I want to talk to you about, and then I just want to talk to you in general a bit. Graded absolutism is the theory of moral absolutism in Christian ethics, which resolves the objection to absolutism in that moral conflicts that we are obligated to the opposites. Moral absolutism is the ethical view that certain actions are absolutely right or wrong regardless of other contexts, such as their consequences or the intentions behind them. Rated absolutism is moral absolutism, but qualifies that a moral absolute like do not kill can be graded on a greater or lesser than moral absolute like do not lie. Also called contextual absolutism or the greater good view is an alternative to the third alternative view, which is the lesser evil view, which will be discussed more in just a moment, uh, which regards ways in which we try to resolve moral conflict resolutions. According to graded absolutism in moral conflicts, the dilemma is not that we are obligated to opposites because greater opposites are not opposites of lesser absolutes. And evil is not the opposite of good, but instead the priviation of good. Priviation too. I just saw priviation. Boom. Nailed it, man. Back to this. Since evil is the priviation of good, only the priviation of the greater good counts as evil. Since wherever there is a moral conflict, we are only obligated to pick from or attempt to perform or work with the greater good. The real dilemma is that we cannot perform both conflicting absolutes at the same time. Which absolutes are in conflict depends on the context, but which conflicting absolute is greater does not depend on the context. That's why graded absolutism is also called contextual absolutism, but is not to be confused with the idea of situational ethics. The conflict is resolved by acting according to the greater absolute. That's why graded absolutism is called the greater good view and is not confused with utilitarianism, which I could talk about that more later. But I kind of want to talk about this idea of you do the best you can because there's no perfect. Uh, we've talked a lot about trying to grade each other as perfect in the activist community and the pain and suffering and hurt that it causes because we all have, have and make mistakes, lots and lots of mistakes on a daily basis. But that's where it's so hard because we want to like have these positions and present our certainty in things to be seen in certain lights. We're so concerned with performativity uh, and performing this view of being or looked at as right, uh, especially on social media. 
uh, in ways that are super problematic. We don't want to be seen as, ah, God, it's complicated. Because it is complicated. Is John McCain right or wrong? I mean, I disagreed with a lot of things, but was he all bad? No. Like, am I worried about a person like John McCain being gone, even though he wasn't necessarily on my team? Yeah, because there was a sense of fair play that was involved with that. Uh, he had at least a moral code which could be spoken to or appealed to. I don't know where the moral code is in Donald Trump in the same way. Not that he lacks one, I just don't know it and I don't know how to make any appeals to it. So, and with Colin Kaepernick and the NFL, I mean, are you happy? Are you excited about this thing? Are we going to get like rally around this big corporation and be like, yay, they're supporting activism. Are they really supporting activism or are they just making money off of activism? And, and then is that bad? Or should we be happy for Kaepernick? I don't know. It's complicated. You need to have your own view and you need to be able to articulate your own view because it's complicated. And here's the other thing that's really, really complicated. Time is a river. So when you throw your pebble in, your pebble of opinion in the moment, it blops into the stream and the water moves on. So whatever you did in that blop in that stream is only going to be somewhat right or defensible in the moment within the context that you're saying the thing. After that moment, everything is out of your hands because time keeps on moving and new context shows itself in certain ways and spaces. And yet we want to try to defend ourselves and our positions and way we, the ways that we think and the actions that we take and the what's we do and the condemnation of the folks that we don't like or the cheering of the people that we do like. And we want to be like, yes, we're right. We're doing it well and cheer me on and pat me on the back and say I'm doing good. You don't get that, my friend. You just get to do the best you can with the information that you have in the situation and the moment and the time that it happens with. You need to like chill on your certainty. You need to chill on your notion of right, wrong, good, evil, dualism. I'm not gonna take my time with these people thoughts. Somebody took their time with you and they made you to be in the space and place that you are with the understanding that you have now. Who are you not to be too good to attempt to educate someone who should know better? You didn't know better once. It's not like you grew up knowing everything. Like when you were two, you didn't have like a perfect moral compass or radar, and you weren't able to call balls and strikes perfectly uh, with other people and their actions. We do the best we can, and every person feels and thinks they're right. Most people aren't rocking wrong on purpose. They're rocking wrong because somebody taught them that's what they should do. Unless someone slows down and shows them another way with love and patience and discipline, and care. I don't know that we're going to change a lot of minds. And I'm not saying if you need to take a second or if you don't have the patience to be effective that you suck either. I can't judge you. I'm just saying be aware of your certainty. I heard a great quote and it came from Pastor Colby. I don't I don't know if you've heard the podcast with me and Pastor Colby at this point, but he said, "You should hold all beliefs like you hold sand." You cannot grip sand tightly as heck because it'll squirt through your fingers. And you can't hold sand so loosely that you don't have any of it in your hand. Rather, what you have to do is lightly grip it and hold it loosely. Allow for the opportunity for new concepts or ideas or experiences or things to come into your life and reshape your thoughts and opinions. You need those things because that's what life experience gets you. But at the same point in time, you don't want to give everything away and abandon yourself to moral relativism 
where nothing matters and everything can be justified and you have no sense of like good, bad, or whatever. Like you have to have something that guides you. You have to have an internal ballast of right and wrong within you. And you know what that is. Like you just get really good at rationalizing your ways of being or your thoughts or what you think you want to get away with. And trust me, folks, I'm really bad at that. I can rationalize anything with the idea that I had good intention. I make a lot of mistakes all the time, over and over again. I hurt people, I say things bad, I get mean. I don't want to be that way, but I am that way. And I have to own that I am that way so I can change that. I heard this great idea. Uh, it's a notion of like a shadow self. It's this part of you that you don't know and you don't want to see because you don't want to present it or be aware that it's there. Like it's almost like you got to get comfortable with this notion that you have the evil within. When you can recognize the evil within you, you can do something about the evil within you. But until you notice that it's there, it's sitting there in the background waiting for you, waiting to take advantage of your weaknesses, waiting to take advantage of your worst self, your worst compulsions, your biggest nightmares, your worst appetites, uh, all types of things like that. You got to turn and notice that there's a lot of bad in you too. And there's some bad notions in you and there's good and bad notions in everyone. And the more we can like take those things on, deal with those things, the more we can turn to ourselves and look at who we really are and notice that we're a work in progress. We're a bunch of just blobs of clay and we're trying to add on and carve off pieces of our character to become the pieces we would like to be. But that's only who we wanna be now in this moment and some of that stuff's gonna change. So just be aware of these things. Be okay with the mess in the mud. Be okay with the fact that you're not gonna be able to be certain. Let that certainty go and be more open and honest with you and your flaws and your faults. And you'll notice that people around you see that and they're able to hear you differently because they know you're really trying to be congruent and you're much more honest with yourself than maybe they are able to be in that moment. And then you can find a way to talk to them. But what do I know? I'm just a dude with a podcast. So as far as the podcast goes, things have been really good recently. Uh, that story that I just released about me going to that sweat lodge went really well. I was very, very proud of my storytelling abilities in there. And I really felt like that I found a good way of speaking. And I'm trying to use that. I tried to use that in the podcast here. I got off topic. I patted myself on the back. I went on little rambling rants. I think people like my rambling rants. Well, I like my rambling rants. I don't know what you think. Y'all don't text me or call me. You never tell me what you think about my rambling rants. You listen to them, but I don't know what you think about them. But uh, the podcast has been going well. Uh, we've been averaging in the high 200 downloads per week. Uh, I noticed this week we had 313 downloads, which is really amazing. Uh, you know, so it's hit or miss. Uh, some people like the interviews, some people don't. Some people like these podcasts, some people don't. Uh, it's fascinating. I'm very curious as to what's happening and why it happens. Uh, it's so interesting to think that someone out there, like you're here right now and you're listening to me and you have a thought or notion of something, but I don't know what that is. But if you have a thought or notion about something and you want to let me know what that is, I'd be really curious to hear it because I would like to be part of a conversation. This is such... <laughs> This is such a one-sided conversation, and it never was meant to be that. Uh, so if you thought something about this, or you want to critique me on this last idea, let me know. Voicemail me at 860-576-9393. Again, the number is 860-576-9393. 
The number one more time, 860-576-9393. Did you know we only remember 20% of what we listen to? That means I gotta say 860-576-9393 again. That means we're only at 80%. I gotta go one more for the 100. So 860-576-9393, or you can email me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. That's I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-E-A-C-T-I-V-I-S-M at cox.net. Inclusiveactivism at cox.net. Email me, text me, voice me, tell me what you're thinking. I would love to hear your thoughts. And I would love, especially in this mess of a podcast, trying to make sense of ethics and calls, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on things. Lastly, please remember to rate and review us on Apple Apple Podcasts on Stitcher. Uh, Make sure you share the podcast on social media. Make sure you're letting folks know about what you're hearing, what you like. Those subscriptions go a long way to show proof of our good work. It shows that you care. It downloads those things. Hopefully when they download, you want to listen to them. But I want to show that we're making good progress. We're doing good work. And we're adding something that matters to you. We're showing you how to do your own personal leadership. So final little bits here. Checking in on my activism. I am meeting with Podair in action. That means power in action. Uh, and it, uh, lo- it was what used to be the Center for Neighborhood Le- Leadership about a possible student club called Free the People on campus. I have to negotiate being a public servant as well as an activist, and it'll be interesting to see what I can and cannot do with the happy middle of that notion. I also got to attend another sweat lodge ceremony, which was two weeks ago, which was really, really good for me. Uh, I think I'll go again, hopefully in the next couple weeks. And we will also have dinner with my good friend, Luke Black. We will be doing more things in the next couple weeks, so stay tuned for more activism on that side of things. Self-care has been pretty good, but only lifted three times a week. Uh, I wasn't able to get any workouts in on Thursday or Friday, which was problematic, but I got the major body parts in, which was good. I have, however, gotten cardio in at least three times a week. I do cardio on some of my major move days. I also have been adding in running bleachers at PC. It's funny, I went on the aluminum bleachers and I thought I was doing something special, and then I went to the concrete bleachers, and it seems like those suckers are like four times as long, Uh, and it's way more of a workout, and it's good. That's stuff that Rowdy needs for his heart to keep his heart pumping in a good way. I've been able to meditate for at least two times for at least 10 to 15 minutes in the past week. I have also gotten in one yoga session, uh, one 10 minute yoga session to kind of stretch out so I can become a little bit more flexible. I've been doing concentrated Christian meditations for the last five days, and that's something that's working out really well for me. Again, I'm in times of difficulty and vexation, so I could use that stuff and I'm happy for it. I've been getting my supplements in very regularly, thank goodness. I have mixed in a little bit more reading, but a lot of that has been on textbooks that I need to present and uh, talk about in my courses. And uh, I'm hoping to see the weather cool down next week, Thursday, so I can get tank training in. Lastly, my recommendation of the podcast. So my recommendation of of the podcast is this. Go find somebody you disagree with. Find somebody that thinks something that's bananas or that you can't reconcile in your own head. Then talk to them and don't attempt to change their mind. Just see why they think what they think. Ask them how they feel about what they think. Ask them how they came to understand what they think. Ask them because they think and feel and know in their heart that they're right. Don't prove them wrong. Just understand why they think they're right. And then don't attempt to correct them. 
Go away, mull that thought or idea for a longer period of time so you can get a sense of why people think and feel this way. And then you might be able to speak to the opposite of that notion. And lastly, today, what did we talk about? We looked at this notion of dualism. What is this notion of dualism? Right and wrong, and why are things always right and wrong? And how do we keep things from only being right and wrong? And right and wrong is problematic. And then we talked about this rise of absolutism and the dangers of like a dogmatic yes or no and always wanting to fall into a yes or no or calling only balls and strikes and this need for absolute certainty and what does this certainty do to us? And then lastly, we talked about looking at things on a more of a graded scale, understanding that time is a river and understanding that there's a lot of things going on with context that we can never understand. We only perceive what we can see, think, it, like what our what our senses take in. There's so much more information that we that we can than we can really understand. And that's not saying we can't have an opinion about stuff. You can have an opinion, but just like chill on how harsh you are with your opinion. Understand that there's part of whatever you think that's wrong. And there's part of whatever they think is right. And we got to find a way to find a happy medium between the two notions and ideas. And that, my friends, is where we are going to be effective as inclusive activists. So finally, if this made you think of something, if you have a question, a shocking critique, if you just want to text me just so you can be like, guess what? This is a text. I'll read it. It's 860-576-9393. Again, this place is a place for us to have conversations together, to understand and hear from one another, to share and learn and grow from one another. At least that was supposed to be. So I'm hoping it will become that. And lastly, if you are interested in booking me and bringing the power of inclusive activism to your organization, you can always do so by emailing me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net, or you can learn more about me and this organization at www.inclusiveactivism.com. With that, be blessed, be well, and go help somebody.